Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, I'm Sai. Welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Andy Campbell Football Show. This is episode number 122. The show is available live on YouTube, Facebook and Twitter. Ace Podcast Nation, as you well know, is home to many other great shows and series featuring top guests, expert analysts and more. So please give us a follow on social media, subscribe to that YouTube channel. And uh, click the bell for notifications so you get a little message every time we go live or we upload new content, interviews or shows. And uh, of course, if you want to keep it purely football, you can follow at AC Footy Show on all social media platforms and uh, streamline your experience. And uh, not forgetting, if you prefer the audio versions of this show or any other show, you can get the audio versions at the usual podcast platforms pretty much every podcast platform you could think of just search ace podcast nation and there's well over 400 well well just under 400 shows i should say um but just while we do wait for those platforms to work so just to fill up a little bit for the late comers the stragglers um a big thank you to black diamond sports as ever for all their support around the show uh black diamond sports is a global sports agency representing sports stars from around the world for more information you can visit their social media pages and their website uh, links to both of those are in the description below or you can find it in the closing credits at the end of the show and uh, today's sponsor as ever bespoke financial we are massively thankful for partnering with such a brand they uh, provide award-winning service and they're truly top of their field uh, Darren Ralston of bespoke financial currently giving away a free will worth 140 pound with every single new policy which is taken out so please check out this amazing offer give them a call and uh, don't miss out because it is an incredible offer and they are an incredible company providing incredible service they've looked after andy for many a year including the critical critical illness and the injury cover they are 
top of their field as I mentioned and they're very very proud to partner up with them and we thank them for sponsoring the show we'll have a little video from them a bit later on towards the end of the show but uh, in the meantime let's meet the peeps first of all the co-host with the most the man with the plan some would say the fox in the box and still the king of the Millennium Stadium he is Davy Jones's favourite son ex-Cardiff City Middlesbrough striker, a speed demon, a goal machine. He's been called many names, but we call him Mr. Andy Campbell. Welcome, my friend. How the devil are you? I'm all right, mate. Yeah, this is uh, this is this is a good one for me. This tonight. This is something which um, something which I've wanted for a while. I say, me and you have spoke on a uh, on a number of occasions about all guests. Um, someone who I learned so much from. Uh, it would be a good race. Not so much now. It might have been back in the day. Um, and one thing which just astounds me, don't it? We were just talking in just before we came on live that I think I've just worked out in my head there about 20, 25, 26 years ago. Um, something really special happened uh, for me and Chris on the same night, which obviously we were there. Uh, uh, wonderful, wonderful man, wonderful guy who's helped me so much, had a great career. Um, yeah, and really, really looking forward to, um, to the show. Can't wait. Indeed, mate. I thought I was going to start rapping your intro at one point there, and I rhymed like three sentences in a row. I was like, I've got to stop. In my house, I've got to stop. I've got to stop rhyming. This could go on forever. You've been, but, hanging, uh, you've been hanging around the kids too long, haven't you? Yeah, well, I started freestyling. Jeez, what's going on? But uh, I'm very excited to welcome tonight's guest, as you just mentioned. He's an ex-England under-23s coach, former Middlesbrough, Northampton Town, and a slew of other clubs, striker, Mr. Chris Freestone. Welcome, Chris. How are you? Yeah, I'm really well, thank you. I'm really well. Uh, happy to be here. I've seen some of them. Yeah, your shows are uh, interesting. You've had some interesting characters on, and I know quite a few of them as well, which is great. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I don't know how I'll be feeling in a bit, but at the minute, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> no, Chris, good. Yeah, right. uh, I love the bit there that's uh, the Saudi clubs. Um, that was uh, <laughs> there's a long list, but I'm sure we'll go. I'm sure we'll go through. But uh, like you say, um, I think you've got time. The sh- <laughs> <laughs> More clubs than Tiger Woods, mate. I tell you a bit. But no, listen. Um, you know, what I mean, we're gonna we're gonna dig deep. We'll go through. But thank you both for your time because I know I know it's precious. Uh, I know especially your family out here and uh, and uh, and giving up your time is uh, means a lot. I know. Like I said, mate. I mean, I've I've been looking forward to this. So. Always good to catch up as well. So, um, so Chris, what we like to do to start, just to break the ice a little bit, let the viewers uh, get a feel for you and your, your character, maybe some of your tastes, is uh, something we call the Magnificent Seven. Seven quick-fire questions for you to uh, just give us the first answer, which comes to mind, really. If you want to give like a little explanation as well, you can, but you don't have to. It's entirely up to you. But uh, let's give that a, let's give that a whirl and see what pops up in the question. Okay, Chris Freestone, the Magnificent Seven. Uh, Messi or Ronaldo? Ronaldo. You want me to explain why? No, no, you, you, well, you can if you want. I just think he's uh, a ridiculously hard worker. Um, Messi's got natural talent. Ronaldo's worked extremely hard to be as good as he is, and I look at the 
Excellent. Uh, Favourite TV show? We don't, we don't norm, we, sorry, Si, we don't normally have a just and, and I think that's the coaching side of Chris coming out, which is, which is, which is a great insight, by the way, because it, what, what, what people see and what, what probably they don't see, they don't see that dedication, that hard work, you know, that it's, it makes players be, the, be that standout individual. What? Yeah, I think um, someone who, I can't remember who it was, someone I, I asked that question to recently, and I can't remember if it was on our show, or I did ask the question to someone on the MMA show, um, and they picked Messi because he's naturally gifted, whereas Ronaldo has had to work to become that good. Not to say he's not naturally gifted, but their justification was basically that Messi is more naturally gifted, whereas Ronaldo is very, 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 very good, but he's also worked incredibly hard to get where he is, which everyone's got a different opinion. But uh, yeah, the question was, Chris, uh, favourite TV show? Currently, probably NCIS Los Angeles. Cracking show, may I say. Yeah, I like that. We haven't had that one before as well, which is always good. But that is uh, an absolute blinder. Placing the sun's set more than the minutes. I can't go on all of it yet. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, um, that's, like, that's like jealousy, though, isn't it? It's like, it's like teasing. It's like a teasing program at the minute. Yeah, nice set. For the first, first, um, first easy question of the seven. Uh, Northampton or Middlesbrough? <laughs> Come on. Middlesbrough. It was my first. Good choice. Uh, Gotta love you first. Good choice. Best, ma- best manager you ever played under? Well, uh, it's got to be Robert. The gaffer, as I still call him. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've said, ang- we've said, ang- said go this, on. Like, we said this, haven't we? Well, we? I don't know what it is, and I don't know what it is about him, Chris. I know we're going we're to talk about it soon, but I still, I, I, I've done the same thing, and I think it's, it's scary that... Um, that people still have that that power over you that you that you still there, but just a respectful way. Just, yeah, you know what I mean. It's like I don't know. It's like he's like he's like he's like my football dad. Yeah, first time I saw him at the reunion, the last reunion we went to was El Gaffer. I couldn't help myself. It was just it was just boss Gaffer everything. Yeah, I not call him Brian. Is I just I just couldn't say it. No, no, I, I, I like can't it. do it. Dis- disrespectful. Speaking of dads, I mean, my dad just put a comment there. Was it, was it he did. Well, I was just, uh, I was just watching med- in the chat. The uh, obviously, I asked that Ronaldo Messi question every week, and uh, in the chat, for some reason, this week, maybe it was because Chris gave a little explanation. There's like a slew of comments of people giving different opu- of different opinions of it. So I just want to give you like a quick little window into the how much that question differs in people's opinions. Gavin says, Ronaldo, greedy, messy, pure class. Uh, your dad says, Ronaldo is a new world record holder. Um, He's got a hat-trick yesterday, I think. James says, the fact that he works harder makes him better for me, plus he's done it in different in different leagues and he's successful at international level. Um, and I'm going to get to Rob Boyle. He's just asked a question, which I want to ask you and see if you, what you that's, think. Ronaldo. That's outrageous. Um, that's outrageous. ridiculous, mate. He scored more goals than he's played games. <laughs> ridiculous, mate. Absolutely ludicrous. Andy, Rob Boyle asked this question. I want you to tell me and the people what you think the answer is. He says, do you keep a spreadsheet of the answers, Si? No. 
absolutely not. And if you see, Andy said no. If Kevin McNaughton was sat in that chair, he would have told Rob Boyle a very different answer. That's all I will say. What a <laughs> silly question, Rob. Come on now. <laughs> Got good memories as well, though. We, all, yeah. we, always, we always refer back to stuff. You know what I mean? That's it. Yep, I, I don't forget a thing. Never forget anything. Rob, do you keep a spreadsheet of the answers? That's what I would say. <laughs> um, the next question is, uh, Chris, who is the angriest teammate you've ever had? Oh, my God. Uh, probably colleagues to an extent at, uh, when I was at Northampton. Northampton. Just because he was a little bit loopy. Yeah, it was a bit. It was uh Was he was he the same off the pitch then, Chris? Because yeah, pretty much. Obviously, people yeah. seem to change. People seem to change. But he was a he was a fruit loop on the pitch. Yeah, he, he was off. He was off the pitch as well. But if you knew where he was from and the people he's uh, his his crowd, then you'd understand why. Probably won't. I don't say mind a bit of consistency. <laughs> I don't mind. Yeah, yeah. And. Um, Last couple of questions. Nice and easy, this one. Uh, Malcolm Christie or Andy Campbell? Oh, Andy Campbell all day. <laughs> you liar! Oh, just a second. No, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's, an easy, that's, an easy, that's an easy answer. Easy answer. Andy, uh, were you a better footballer than Malcolm I Christie? I don't think so. No, I, I've, I've never said. I've never ability-wise, no. Technical ability, no. You know what I mean? Goal scoring, no. But there's, there's certain things and attributes what I had that made me stand out from a lot of other people. And having pace, mm. what I had, and having the having the, the probably the mindset and they had made me get where I where I where I where, where I got where I wanted to go. But if I had ability, what other people had to go with it, natural ability. Um, and I'm not being disrespectful myself because I look at what people are saying there about Messi and Ronaldo and things, and you know what I mean. It was, it was the middle of my time when I made you're better than Messi and Ronaldo, is what you're saying then, yeah? I, I was faster than Messi. <laughs> and yeah, faster than Messi and more skillful than Ronaldo. There's a song in there somewhere, faster, I think. I was, I was, fa I was faster than Messi and better in the air than Ronaldo. Absolutely. Like there that. we go. If one day we'll have a, an out of context anti Andy Campbell show Twitter page and they'll take that comment and they'll uh, they'll use it. Um, and the final question, Chris, which is the easiest of the lot: Who is the greatest Englishman who has ever lived? In your opinion, it does not have to be football related. It's a good. It's a good question. It's a good question. Mate, we've had we've had some run some really random ones, really random. Uh, I I don't know. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be really soft and probably just say me dad. Yeah, that's fine. Well, 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 I can guarantee you that we've never heard your dad is the answer. Well, yeah. No, he, he got me on the pitch and he got me falling over the game. So I've got to say me dad. He'd probably hang with me if I didn't anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason why my dad watches the show, just so he can have me. Absolutely not. I um, it's a it's a it's such a wide-reaching question, like because everyone's different, and it's going to be different for everybody. There's, you know, people might pick the same person, but more often than not, the reasons will be different. 
Um, and I do love that question because obviously we we changed the nationality to to fit in with the guest and who it is. Um, but yeah, yeah. we have, it's uh, it's an interesting one. I like it. Um, yeah, so we what we're going to uh, do now? Do, go on. Didn't we, didn't we do Denmark for Klaus last week? Yeah, that was Jesus. Don't remind <laughs> me of that. <laughs> well, um, well, he's not from he's not from Denmark. He's from so, Norway. So I guess that's he's from Norway. So we had a bit of a had a bit of a nightmare. Denmark anyway. Klaus didn't mind. Klaus didn't mind. The uh, James Costley says the uh, the greatest Englishman who's ever lived is Peter Whittenham, and I I agree. I gotta say, but um, what about me? Yeah. Well, you're just better than Messi and Ronaldo, mate. You're gonna have to take that for today. <laughs> hey, bear in mind now. We're, now we're talking about Englishmen. So uh, that old English, that old England under twenty women picture did the rounds on, uh, on on social media on Twitter, and I was getting I got absolutely abused just for, for just for the sake of getting abused. Um, everyone, somebody, somebody wrote something on the lines of um, that's the best English team I've ever seen, apart from number eleven. I was just like, Jesus, you know what I mean? So I just, I just, I, I just threw a comment back, just saying thanks. Just, I've, I've got feelings. You know what I mean? I'm a human being. You know what I mean? And, and then I got, I, I, and then you know, a little bit of banter even there. But like, I just think, just if you've got nothing good to say, don't say anything. Oh, it's just, it's just not nice. Oh, oh, mate. Mate. That's jealousy, mate. That's what it is. Yeah. That's, well, there's jealousy, brotherly love for you right there. Everybody look. wants to be there. Everybody wants to be at the top, but not everybody wants to sacrifice to get there. I know. Do you know what it is? The mistake I made on, on that on that game was standing on the end because you know that um, that Man United look on the end and just got it's like yeah. a super fan <laughs> stood on the end. That's what it looks like. It looks like I've just I've just escaped on the end. Where if I, if I was just moved in next to Emil Heskey or yeah. moved next to one of the big hitters, and I might have just got away with it being all right, and I might have just been being. That's, that's what I started to do. I just look on the end. Yeah. <laughs> I was that well, nervous. All I, was just on the end. I started on the end and started moving <laughs> until I was sitting down next to the gaffer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you look like that guy. Do you remember there was that guy years ago who was put like the kit on of the team which was playing and he'd run in just as they were yeah, taking the team photo before the game yeah but do you remember he did, didn't he do like a Champions League final or something or, or like a semi-final yeah. like a really really big game that's legendary yeah, stuff that he, is to tell I your grandkids of it I'm sure it was like Andy Cole Andy Cole or something like looking at him like yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like who are you yeah it's absolutely fantastic so uh, Neil Campbell by the way says um Andy Campbell could never head a ball. Never had a never had a ball. He said his goal against Manchester United went off his shoulder. Oh, see, no credit off your brother. Still winning. That's what counts. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you're still winning against Man United. That's a goal versus Man United. Doesn't matter. If you're not a striker, people don't know. Everybody thinks you want to score from 30 yards. I can't care. Exactly. Listen, if I score from a yard, I'm not bothered. Mate, I'd go with anybody. If you shot and it was rolling yeah. in, I would run 100 miles an hour to tap it in. <laughs> I've I would. seen loads yeah. of them. I've seen loads of them. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about three of them in a minute. <laughs> Leo Kanks, as Matthew says. Uh, Gavin says that that guy, he did a semi-final. Uh, yeah, I knew he'd done like a big European game where he'd got in on the end of uh, end of the team for well. But... Um, so what we'll do now is we're going to move on to uh, to any other business where we uh, we just pick three subjects to have a little chat about, uh, which is always fun. So uh, let's go for that. We haven't done any other business, mate, for a couple of weeks. We've been uh, no, we all about the tell me why's. Yeah, that's what happens when you bring all these different 
different features in you can rotate them in and out but um, the first subject is Kevin Ellison uh, yesterday uh, he celebrated a goal uh, from what I can gather uh, I saw a little bit of the clip but uh, Andy you can tell me a little bit more about it but basically he screamed in the face of his former boss after scoring a goal against him uh, and he got a bit of stick from some people it went viral some people stuck up for him some people didn't the uh, the manager who he screamed in their face don't think took it too well but what do you think about it Mr Campbell and tell us a bit more about it as well uh, well, I'm luckily, I'm luckily, I'm good friends with Kev, so I, uh, I texted Kev after the game and said, uh, said, well done, uh, well done on the goal, uh, first and foremost, and that was before, um, before seeing the, the footage and, and, and the celebration. Um, so obviously, there was, there was more to come back and said, well done, because from a person who's been frozen out at two football clubs, um, I, I see the frustration what came out. He's a 41-year-old man. You know what I mean? He's a, he's a, he's a, he's 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 very professional. He's still playing, still trying his trade now, and 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 giving his best for a football club. And to be frozen out a forty-year-old at his previous club at Morecambe by by any manager, you know what I mean? I I wouldn't accept it if it was a sixteen-year-old boy and and or eighteen-year-old professional. You know what I mean? But to do it as a as a forty-year-old player, I just saw. You know what I mean? He scored his goal. He's he's ran over to the dugout to celebrate. He screamed, "Have that!" with a few um, choice words to go with it. Um, and then got on with the got on with the game, and you know what I mean. It's the picture, it's the timing of the picture. It's you know what I mean. He's had loads of support from fellow players, ex-players, teammates, etc. Um, and he's had a little bit of stick from from other football fans. And you know what I mean. Unless you've been in that position and you've been frozen out by a certain manager and and made to train with the reserves, made to train on your own, it's so upsetting. It, it's so mentally tired the way when it when it happened to me. There was. There was mental health wasn't around really. Well, it was around, but it wasn't as, as, as fruitful as it is now. There was no help, no support, no guidance. So you know what I mean. You just had to get on with it. But now I can see why that people like that you, uh, came out and, and did what he did. Can I just ask you a couple of quick, quick questions on it, mate? Before we throw to Chris, a um, couple of things. Um, what's the difference between being frozen out and being surplus to requirements? Um, and then I'll ask you another question to follow up on that in just a sec. But I just wanted to, I just would like that clarified first. Because, you know, the way football it's is, not... it, some managers don't fancy some players or whatever it may be. Yeah. Listen, there's no I'm, there's no hiding place. You know what I mean? It happened to me at Cardiff um, that uh, decided to make me train on my own. I was training in in, in, in a gym in the Villa Gamorton Hotel and I was I was turning up every day and having to go there on my own and it was really upsetting for myself and my family at the time and, and it wasn't a good place um, I would have rather the club just say listen you're not you're going to still train with us but the quicker you get out of that football club it's good for us it's good for you it's good for your future team and I'd added yeah. that on the chin and I'd have moved out quicker but because I was frozen out the way I was I dug my heels in I was stubborn I didn't let I didn't let um, the club win you know what I mean? Because it wasn't the club really, it was one individual, clash between him, he clashed with me and, and we didn't get on. But there's there was there would have been a better way to handle it on his side and there would have been a better way to handle it on my side. You know what I mean? So we both we both handled it wrong. You know what I mean in my opinion. Yeah. So so basically the diff I mean it sounds like the difference is a respect thing. Like for me, the only way anyone should be chained training with the reserves or frozen out in that way from a from a squad is if they're a problem. Like if you are causing a problem within the team, 
because you're not playing it and depends. you're disrupting the team, then I can see why you'd remove someone from that situation. It but if it's just someone who's you don't fancy and they're, they're still training hard, being professional, then there is absolutely no justification to treat someone tell you, uh, if, like a child. If, if, if you're doing it, if you're doing it full time, I've got no time for anybody who does that full time. Or on your own Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, nah, I'm not having that. Nah. You know what I mean? If you on a Friday, if you're not in the first team squad and you've got to train with another group of players, then I'm all for it because the, the manager's going to work with the 16 or the 18 who's going forward for the game on Saturday, and that's fine. Mm. But. To do it every time, I'm not having it. You know what I mean? Because for me, it's yeah. disrespectful. For me, it's out of order. For me, you're messing about with people's livelihood, with people's yeah. mental health, with people's confidence, with people's abilities. Football's a short career, and you know what I mean. If you're not, if, if you don't want somebody, pay them up and sell yeah. them and, and let them go. Terminate the contract. Absolutely. Yeah, spot on. So, um, I'll ask Chris this, and then we'll throw it back to you with the second part of the question. Uh, so basically, uh, Kevin Ederson was there for nine years, I think. Um, before and then Derek Adams has come in and told him to train alone without watching him play. Uh, this I I just I wasn't aware about the play training alone and without watching him. But uh, Reese says he that's that was the case. Um, and our viewers are very knowledgeable, so I got no reason to think that's not the case. I know he's he was there for nine years, Chris. Like. For someone, if you've been at a football club for nine years, that's a long time to grow an attachment to the club, to the fans. To you, you genuinely, you genuinely care about that club. After that amount of time, it's not just a job. So, to come in and treat someone like that, it feels personal and it feels quite disrespectful. So I could fully understand why that goal over the weekend would have caused the release that Kevin Ellison had. Um, what do you think? Hundred percent, hundred percent agree. Um, uh, agree with what Andy said as well. You know, it's he's it, got with that club. He's not going to be disrespectful to to anybody coming in. He loves the club. He's going to want to see the club do well, and he's going to put his heart and soul into everything he does. But then to go and shove him and go and train on your own for no reason whatsoever, or not explaining the reason whatsoever, I think it's disrespectful. And I think that's just just all that sort of frustration coming out in that goal. And it just happened to be against them, against that manager at that time. And for me, I go, well done. Because as soon as I read about it, I thought, listen, mate, I can't fault you because I've done something similar. Um, so, you know, it's... Chris, do you, think, do you think you would have celebrated the same? Do you think you would have celebrated the same if the fans were... It probably would have gone... a. a over the top <laughs> it may have done a bit more um, I, I don't know difficult to explain without the fans because obviously everybody's going to wear it it's going to be highlighted because he's running towards the dugout yeah. I mean when he first scored I don't think he was originally heading towards the dugout you know what it's like no. when you score you just turn around and you run don't you and I think he realised he was near the dugout saw the manager and then just started heading that way and just thought you know sod it I'm just it's coming out and then you know so he might have just dived into the crowd you know, and just gone mental with him, and then maybe said something yeah. as he was running by. If this, yeah, when it, you know, you're never going to know that. One of the um, one of the uh, tweets which really caught my eye um, out of all the tweets and reaction I saw to it was um, a guy called Ian Sharps. I don't know if he's just a fan or if he's involved no, in football a, in any way. He's a, he's a teammate of his. All right. Okay. So what he said is he tweeted a picture of Kevin screaming in Derek Adams' face. 
and Derek Adams is doing his best to sort of look the other way. And he says, the amount of people tweeting this shows how much love there is for the uh, in the game for the big man. But this is the bit which I really sort of hits home for me. He says, treat people properly because they will remember. And in, for me, like I know uh, someone in the chats, I think it was Gavin, said that it was disrespectful. For me, you reap what you sow in life and how you treat people you know there's that's there's a saying isn't there about treat people well on your way up because you'll see them on your way back down and there's no excuse for the way kevin ellison was treated no excuse um the fact that he was there for nine years makes it worse but it doesn't it shouldn't come into it how long he's been there it shouldn't matter if he's been there a week or nine years you treat people how you wish to be treated at least that's the way i was brought up so for me, I'm glad he did it. I'm not just defending it. I'm glad he did it. We've spoken here, Chris, for weeks and weeks and weeks on end. The conversation always comes up about about players not celebrating about their against their own clubs, and um, you know what I mean. But they're getting paid by this current club. argument, isn't it? Of each goal could be a last, so just celebrate it like it's your last. And and I look at it as you're playing for your football club. Um, you're getting paid by a football club. Your fans are there. You know what I mean. You want to celebrate with them, so celebrate with them. And you know what I mean? I look, I look at Kev at the weekend and think, do you know what? He's going to remember it more so because of what happened, but he's going to remember it because it was a good goal. B, it was a good goal and a winning goal because it was a third goal in the 3-1 win. It was, you know what I mean? And it was a, it was a, it was a cracking strike and, and thoroughly deserved, you know what I mean? So, because one goal is going to be a last goal and so why not? Why not? This goal is fair play. Can't fault him. I had fans in there. I, I played against old clubs and had fans stop me in the car park. Chris, don't score against us today. I said, listen, man, I'll go do my job. And if I score, I'm going to celebrate and don't hold it against me. But that's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm playing for whoever I was playing for at that time. And, you know, you've got to do your job. And why wouldn't you celebrate? If you've got a passion for scoring goals, mate, you know me, I've got a passion for scoring goals. I'm celebrating everything. I'm celebrating training. You know, playing kick around with the kids, I'm celebrating on the park, mate. I'll do I'll, I'll flips and all sorts. I'm not bothered. And this is sad. This is, we're now talking to a we're now talking to a serial goal scorer. Now we're talking to a yeah. man who scored goals for fun. You know what I mean? That, Another the one. Other goals that we're going to talk about very soon is 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 absolutely outrageous. You know what I mean? So for someone to to you know what I mean to enjoy and just the love of score, um, it it gives it. It's no there's no there's no diff, there's no feeling what 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 I can compare it to. You know what I mean? That that feeling of scoring goal. If it's if it's in the park with your mates, if it's playing for the over forties like I'm doing now, or if it's in the Premier League, it's it's still the same buzz. Yes, it's a lot quieter when they're and, and screaming at you, but it's it's still the same feeling. It's still the same enjoyment, and you know what I mean. Kevlar got that enjoyment on Saturday afternoon against yeah. Morecambe for, for for Newport. So good luck to him, fair play to him. You know what I mean. But I, I do understand people's concept of it. I do understand people because we're supposed to we're trying to keep respect in in in, in football. But until you've been in that situation where you've been frozen out, you've had a manager who's not allowed you to um, uh, to be to, 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 divide, to divert with, with, with the players day in day out, week in week. In. You, you can't really um, can't really comment on that situation, really. Well, nobody knows, do they? I mean, you know, you have got to be in that situation. You know, similar. Like, I've never actually been in that situation of being frozen out and training on my own, but I've been in. Other situations where managers don't want you and they, they try and force you out of the club, you know, and then you come back in and you, you, you do your job for your club. And, and I've run to my own manager and, and done the same. So, 
you know, four times in one game. It was brilliant. I was knackered. <laughs> yeah. He didn't do it four times, but like, well, I think it happens in Middlesbrough as well. You know what I mean? That the, the Steve Steve made us Steve made us train train our own. We were we were. He, he did it in more of a respectful way. It was it, I wasn't on yeah. my own. I was with another group of players, but that group that group started about fifteen, and then it dwindled down and quickly got out. You know what I mean? I left a, a a good couple of friends behind, but I was selfish and, and, and needed to get out for my own sanity, my own football career. But but I, I still. I still wanted to help out if, if needed and managed to get a goal while I was still training on my own, which is just going to still happen. But I didn't. I just wanted to do the best for the football club because I'm still getting paid yeah. by the club, still love the club because I was still living there. And, it's, and it is what it is. But if, if managers do things the right way and they tell you in the right manner, um, then I've got total respect for that. Yeah, it's spot on. You know, they wanted me out. Um, but they, they paid me up. I was still I was still playing. I was still doing my job. I was still training with them all the time, and we were still negotiating until I got paid up, and then I went. But they did it in the right way, and I had no problem with that. So you know, I've not fell out with anybody over there. I've never said anything bad about the club or, or the fans or the manager or anything like that because he, he he treated me well. You know, I knew what was going to happen, and, and it happened, and I went, and I had no problem with that. You know, so like you say. You know, I, I'm I'm exactly the same. So I was I was taught treat people on the way up, um, right? Because you'll meet them on the way back down, and I and I have, um, and mm. I've never had any problems with anybody. I don't think, and, unless somebody's got something to say behind my back. But um, I've always tried tried to do that the right way, and I think I'll always continue to do that. What's my yeah, We're showing. Sure, sure sorry, and just. Sorry, mate, really quickly. Um, we're a show of the people, mate, and I'd like to keep everyone informed of what's going on in the football world. So I just wanted to let Gavin know that um, Wolves are winning 1 0. Sorry, there you go. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's mad, though, that you're, that you're, you're, a, you're a career. You're, you're, your career is what? It can be it can be five, ten, fifteen, twenty years if you're lucky. To only fall out with one or two people is is quite good going. You know what I mean? So I think people do make a big thing of, of something which you know what I mean. If you are in a, in a normal workplace, you could fall out with somebody regularly, week, week in week out, day and have more arguments within a within a within a workplace. So you know what I mean? Football high impact and, and there's emotion and there's and, and, and it's physical. You know what I mean? There's not as many fallouts as people tend to think, but they're high profile and. And that's why they get as much traction as they, as they do. Yeah, and you, you'll always get the, you know, the little bit of backbiting as well that's, that's in there in certain clubs, probably lower down in the leagues. Because uh, everybody's got an opinion. You know, uh, I would have played, I should have played, I, why wouldn't I have played, and all of all the usual sort of stuff. And you've got to take it how it's going to be taken. You know, I've been in, and might sound a bit wrong this, but I remember being in a, a, a game and in the shower after the game someone comes in the shower and starts whinging and whining and I'm thinking well once I go out is he going to be whinging and whining about me so I've got to be careful what I'm saying otherwise he's going to uh, he's going to shaft me because he's in the same position oh Chris said this Chris said this Chris said that you know what the game's like it's full of snakes yeah yeah. you just totally have to be agree. careful and you have to ride above it sometimes yeah, yeah. totally agree um, and, I think, and I think that's coming more apparent now though si. it's coming more apparent yeah. what Chris just said there about about people, you can, go back, you can go back in the day. You know what I mean? There was no. I, I was, I was just as happy for Chris to score, and he was probably to score. You know what I mean? On his, on his first game, first game for Middlesbrough. Um, 
I bet that's not the case now. When you're when you're fighting for places and you're looking for someone to, you're you're wanting them to do badly. If you're wanting to send the ball to do badly, you're wanting your team to do badly. You're wanting to lose the game because without people doing well, your team's got no chance. You know what I mean? You want to, if you're going to play, if you're on the you're on the bench, you want to go into a successful team. You want to go into a team doing well. You don't want to be turning into a team or coming on when you're getting beat with them. There's not enough friendships in football anymore. You know what I mean? It, the football doesn't seem to be. Doesn't seem to have that camaraderie. Doesn't seem to have that that, that fun aspect and, and togetherness. And you know what I mean. It, yeah. it does seem just seem very very cutthroat now. For, for sure. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. Um, Andy, just before we move on to the next subject, uh, we've had a super chat, so I want to, and it fills in with this kind of subject. So I want to want to do that first and foremost. Um, guys, if you do want to send a super chat on YouTube, you can. If you send a super chat, you're guaranteed to ask your question to the guest or whoever you send it in for. Um, Gaz says, uh, best free show around, awesome YouTube channel that's helping my mental health in a messy personal time. Uh, thanks, guys. Never stop. Uh, and he also asks, what did Derek Adams say in the post-match about Kevin Ellison? Do you know, and If not, I can he, find he didn't out. Say, he, didn't, he didn't say anything live. I've seen a couple of uh, extracts from what he said. He got asked about it, and he just he, he didn't give any details. He just, he just said he, he was quite... Brazier about it really that it, yeah. it is he, he wasn't really that bothered you know what I mean and, and to be fair look, it, it is a personal issue between a manager and a player you know what I mean it's still a personal issue now because Kev's oh Kev's done it celebrated you know what I mean so he, he's not yeah. like he's grabbed hold of him or done anything for me I don't th- I don't see a problem no one's done anything wrong you know what I mean a player's no. celebrated a goal oh it's going to happen again if fans like Chris said earlier on if fans were there no one would have heard the words and the words are probably the worst things what what people have heard. You know, what I mean, there's worse things mm. get said to cameras and stuff, and, yeah. and, and near um, rec- near um, recordings equipment anyway. So the, for me, just with it. The other thing, mate, as well is like at the end of the day, like if Derek Adams was out of order during the time when he isolated Kevin Ellison, deep down he will know it. Whether he will ever acknowledge it, he will know it personally if he was out of order or not. Now I'm not saying he was or he wasn't. We've kind of we've talked about that side of it, but if he was out of order, then of course he's not going to make too much of a fuss of it because, like you say, there was no physical contact. It was just some bad words. Passion. I like to see passion because one of the things I've hated this year is watching players have to wait five minutes before they can celebrate a goal. So to see that was fantastic. Um, Gaz asked another question for you two, which I want to. I wanted to do his question because he sent in a super chat. Um, he said. Who is the biggest snake or knobhead that Chris or Andy has met in football? And he also put, don't duck the question. Didn't say please. So I, if I were you both, I'd duck the question. Put a question, but, put uh, a question mark, though. Yeah, he did put a question mark, uh, which is uh, vital to questions. I'll, I, I, I'll, answer, I'll answer first, because I, I don't want to put our guests on the, on the spot. So mine's, mine's, listen, mine's no surprise, which, which is what I'm going to say, and obviously the, the, the reason behind it. Listen, it's... And it, and it becomes more apparent now that uh, what's going on that I was made by Dave Jones to train on my own. I was in his office daily, hourly, it felt like. Um, I just wanted my own situation dealt with. I was being selfish towards myself and my family because I wanted us to be in a better position to move on. I didn't want to be there anymore. If he didn't want to meet me there, I wanted to move on. But the club weren't letting me go. Uh, you know what I mean? Some of the things that were said to me, um, you know, I've, I've, I've kept it very quiet uh, and. I will continue to keep it quiet until um, the, 
until something's put in place from myself, which which, which is obviously ongoing, which obviously I, that I can't go into at the minute. It, it, what was getting said wasn't a nice wasn't a nice thing. You know what I mean? It was yeah. it was it was things things on the lines of your face doesn't fit in here anymore. Um, go and train on your own. That's personal for me. That, that a personal yeah. thing, a personal statement, personal saying. Do you know what I mean? Where it is, for me, just not in my footballing plans. I want to go and bring I want to go and bring Stevie Thompson in, which 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 I knew was going to happen anyway, and he did in the end. Just do it. I'm not bothered. But listen. Stevie Thompson was a better fit at Cardiff City than, than I was because for the way that Dave Jones wanted to go and sign him and let, let me yeah. move on to go and do where I wanted to go. 100% mate, cool. Um, uh, Chris, did you want to uh, add anything to that question or did you would you prefer to avoid that one? It's entirely up to you. Um, to be honest with you, <laughs> I'm not going to name any names. The reason why yeah, I won't fine. name any names we've made up um, since... The, the, the incident that happened, uh, and it was actually in a, a somebody might figure it out anyway, but it was an assistant manager at the club I was playing for, and um, okay. it, like he wasn't in another contract, and basically um, my contract was coming up as well, and he was lots of words in my ears about uh, moving on and you know getting the contract paid up if I moved, if I don't ask for a move, and all these sort of things, and and uh, I ended up leaving the club anyway on deadline day, and I went elsewhere and um, but I, I ended up having um, the tribunal against a particular club because of my signing on fees and, and contracts etc um, and we went backwards and forwards and I actually met the assistant manager at the tribunal and he denied absolutely everything um, tried to drop me right in it but, but um, we have made up since then fortunately I won anyway and I got everything I deserved which was great. Took me on a nice holiday, etc. Um, but yeah, we, we we made up since then, and I still see him now. So uh, I, I'm not going to say any more than that. But yeah, he was uh, he really wound me up to be honest because we were quite close at that time. So, mm. but no names. That must Hopefully be difficult no to take. It must be difficult to take. How important, Chris, is it then to uh, to make up because? I've I've always said I've I've always said I'm um, I'm I'm open to a conversation. I'm open to Joe. I'm open to having a conversation about it, uh, man on man, and just and and putting putting things to bed. Listen, I, I'm no angel, by the way, as you as you well know. That um, we all make mistakes. We all say things that you that you regret at the time. You always well, not everybody, but we all put. Oh, I put Twitch was ill-timed, or. She said things in it I shouldn't have said, but once it's out there, and I and I tell my kids, and I tell the other other individuals that be careful what you put on social media, because once it's out there, it's out there. Yeah. You can never take it back. And bang, too late. But listen, we all make I'm sure we all make more mistakes because we're only human. But you know, I mean, sometimes it's time to put it to bed. And when we're, what we're trying to do on here is time to make the humour of it. And we say we try to uh, yeah. um, bring a bit of humour to the situation, which did bother me at the time, but. Same as other people who had bad, bad times don't last forever. You know what I mean? Strong people yeah. come out of it, and you know what I mean. And, and you know what I mean. He's had bad times in his life. He's come out the other end of it. Yeah, and it happened. I, I think. I, I think sometimes you just got to put, like say, you got to put stuff to bed. And you know, I, I was fortunate we made up. Like I said, I was at the tribunal, uh, and it was just me and him face to face at that particular time. And he was calling, you know. Oh, you've dropped me in here. I says, oh, and you started all. No, I didn't. And they said, listen, we shook hands and we walked away. 
and I didn't see him for years. And then I saw him again, and we just sort of talked, and we just sort of got over it. And um, and it's never been mentioned since. And for me, it doesn't need to be mentioned again. You know, the handshake was enough for me there and then, whether it meant anything or whether it didn't. But I've got to be honest, mate. I ain't got time for for grudges. I ain't got time to to think back. On yeah. You know what I mean? I, I've, I've changed over the years. I don't. I don't get wound up. If it's out of my control, then it's out of my control, and I don't get head up over it. You know, if I'm driving my car and somebody cuts me up, I'll have an initial snap and then I'll let it go because I'm not going to chase somebody miles down the road because I might catch them and then I won't know what to do with them. I just I'll let it go. You know what I mean? I'm outside and he chucks it down. I go, well, it's out of my control. What's the point? I see so many people get wound up with it's raining, it's snowing, it's this, it's that, and the other. I'm going, well, can you control it? Well, no, if you can't control it, what are you bothered for? And that's that's how I sort of look at things now. And if I can't control it, then I, I'm not bothered. You know, I think that's a good know, way I, to be. I, it's a good way to be, I've that isn't never, it? I, I've never, I've never seen this guy lose control. I'll be honest. I've never, I've never, I've never seen it. It, it would be, by the way. I, would, I think I would, just for five seconds. I just think I'd, I'd like to see it. I'd like to <laughs> see it. Listen, my dad used to be about fourteen because I was fighting all the time. So it sort of uh, <laughs> mentally sorted me out. Hey. So, yeah, I'm, I'm calm. It's where the, I'm Chris, it's where the fast dance. It's where the fast dance. That's yeah. it. That's right. Yeah. Um, okay. Rob Rob Boyle asks Chris uh, just in relation to what you were talking about there. He says, "Would you still feel the same if the tribunal hadn't gone your way?" Uh, I think so. You know, it's difficult to say, um, but it was. You know, it was signing on fees. It's it's a it's a big chunk of money at that time, and mm. you know, I was, I was still getting paid. I was still getting a wage, and that was sort of extra money, like all signing on fees, whether they go in the pension or whether you take them, uh, and you, you go and have a have a splurge with them. And I didn't have it. You know what I mean? I I didn't have that money at that time. It was a tribunal to get that money. Um, so if I didn't win, I still didn't have it. But I did win, and I eventually got it. So I think it was, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I still wanted to uh, put it to bed. I just like I said, you know, I, I don't want to think back and, and say I, I don't like this person or I don't like that person or God, if I meet that person, I'm gonna smack him in the mouth. And I, I don't want to think like that. You know, I tell I talk to my kids about stuff like this, and and like I say, if I can't control it, I I don't let it wind me up. So. I'd like to think that if I'd have lost the tribunal, that it'd still be the same, that we could have still got over it, um, and we'd still be pally, if you like. So, yeah, I'm going to say yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so, Chris, I'm eager, very eager to uh, to talk about you and your career instead of uh, just the general football stuff, although we've got a good, a good starting point already and we've had some good insight into some of your experiences within the game. Um, so what I'm going to do, executive decision, I'm going to drop one of the any other business subjects. Uh, so we're just going to have one more. And uh, I want to talk about um, non-league players who've made it all the way to the Premier League. Um, a certain player yesterday said his piece, which Andy will tell us about in a minute. We don't need to necessarily talk about who it was because you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. But there's several players who have been able to do that, Andy. Um, so what I would like to put to you as well as the subject is which one of them for you has got like the biggest kind of feel good fairy tale 
feel into it out of all those players who've managed to do that because that is like the literal fairy tale in there of be one minute being in non-league next minute being in the Premier League yeah uh, yeah listen I think the, the the jump and obviously obviously Chris has been there and he's and he's realised the jump you know what I mean direct jump from non-league football to that level you know what I mean that's that's the jump for me you know what I mean when people talk about Jamie Vardy Jamie Vardy did it positive he was playing for um, Stocksbridge Park Steelers and then he went up a level and then he went up a level and then he went to Fleetwood yeah um, obviously Halifester so the jump was it wasn't as drastic as as is what we're talking about but his, his rise was, was scary you know what I mean that, it'll never happen again in my opinion you know what I mean the rise of what he's made which is, which is brilliant and, and good luck to him he's had a, an amazing career but you know what I mean for me I look at I look at our guest Chris Morlins one he went from Maidstone I think to, um, yeah. to the Premier League but for me he ain't right you know what I mean for me I, doesn't, I don't think it gets any bigger than that you know what I mean at the time um, he jumped from non-league football up to Division 1 the impact he made as well, wasn't scoring, that? Scoring goals to Arsenal, playing for England, you know what I mean? So, and the amount of goals he scored, you know what I mean? That Imagine if he got that opportunity to progress through a club, would he have turned out the same way? Would he have been as driven? Because, so the amount of players, um, and Chrissy will probably tell you the same, they might have made that jump, they were a lot more hungrier than, um, than players that have come to the system and come to the, come to the clubs. They're a lot. They're a lot less needy. Um, you know what I mean? They don't need someone to hold their hands and wipe the backside. You know what I mean? They just get on with it, and uh, and they don't have any complaint. How bad are these changing rooms? Or um, why have we got to get a shower here? Or why is why is my kit not here? Why is my boots not clean? Hmm. Because when you've got to do it yourself, and when you've got to, and when you've got to get changed here, then everywhere, then when you get changed in, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm going to be a little bit disrespectful for. Chris will probably tell you, Crew Alexander's all changing room, away changing room, is absolutely outrageous, you know what I mean, especially if you're, as a centre forward, because the, the kit man went from the door, which is number one, all the way around, by the time you got to the corner, the the, the, the roof was like slanted, so you had no, no room, you know what I mean, if you were so, you got changed on the floor, on, outside, so it was it was even worse, you know what I mean, I, I played there twice, once as a sub, didn't, I didn't get changed because I couldn't, and then played one game I think I was number 10 or 11 didn't have any room to get changed anywhere but like people are complaining but until you first and I'm on about you know what I mean some non-league clubs which don't have the facilities unfortunately don't have the money to spend on those kind of those kind of areas then you know what I mean give your head a wobble you know what I mean give you, really you need to understand the situation and, and, the, and the, the drive what gets players like Chris like all the other players to get where they're being to where they want to go it's an amazing story for everybody who's done it because you know what I mean? I, I've got total respect because coming through as a 16-year-old at Middlesbrough, I think the hardest thing is the pressure. It's the pressure and the expectation from, from yourself and your family, being a local boy. And, and I wouldn't say it's that enjoyable because you feel the pressure every game, youth team game, reserve game. But coming through the other way, every game's an enjoyment because you're playing on a nice pitch in, in front of a crowd, which doesn't only happen with better players, with professional footballers. It's 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 the way that um, other people should understand that if you get released 18, don't give up because there's a long, a long career ahead of you and a level for everybody as well. I will say that there's a level for everybody, and I think people underestimate the power. I watched Charlie against Derby FA Cup. Charlie, Charlie battered him. Only the only one two 0 but uh, under 23 for Derby. There was no, there was no difference. Charlie were the better side, so you know what I mean. For me, non-league football is stronger than what people think. 
yeah, there's so much untapped potential there, I believe. And I, I say this on the Championship show. I wish more Championship clubs would look down towards the the League 2 and the non-League and pick up some of those players. Because there's a lot of good, not just players who are like you know, mid-20s who haven't perhaps had the opportunity or haven't quite made it. There's a lot of good young players there, like teenagers who have been released by various academies and then they've dropped down into that league. There's so many different players over the years. Like um, John Kamara says, Chris Kamara uh, played his way up, uh, played from the Navy to the Premier League. Uh, Matthew Angel says uh, Ernie did the same. I think he was uh, had a similar story. Stuart Pierce was playing for Wellston. Uh, ended up, you know, having an incredible career. Ernie was just different because Ernie went to Ernie went played in the League Two, didn't he? So you know what I mean? He, yeah, he's still a, still a level of professional football, but he's the, Mark the, Delaney. The jump to the Premier League. Oh, Mark Delaney, yeah. Like I think Chris Chris Smalling is a pretty good example. Like he went from Maidstone. He did a. I don't. I, if correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he do like something like six months at Fulham? I don't think he did a full season, yeah. uh, and then he was he went to United. He won Premier League titles. I think he won a Champions League as well. You know that's quite a you know when he looks back on his career, that's quite the story to tell the grandkids, isn't it? You know, I was playing for Maidstone one week, a year later I was winning Premier League titles or whatever it, you know whatever it may be. Like Chris, what did you find uh, that jump? Like, what's the hardest thing about? that sort of jumping quality and level yeah, I think the hardest thing was probably the training every day you know uh, for me I was playing for a, a step 5 team so I was probably getting about 25 quid um, and having to work every day and then go football at night and play at the weekend and stuff like that um, to and during that time I, I was I was um because he used to have the Pontins League, the Reserve League. Mm. So I, I, I ended up getting an opportunity to go to the Grimsby for, uh, for about a season. Just travelled up every Wednesday, played in the Pontins League, come back, went to work on the Thursday, Friday, played for my team Arnold on the Saturday, um, and then starts all over again on the, on the Monday. Um, so then, you know, get the, get the call and then to come to Middlesbrough. Um, and then after train, every single day um that was a bit of shock to the system so and then two you know potentially double sessions as well sometimes and, and we were we were training on a school pitch at the time andy remember yeah yeah it wasn't um, uh, it wasn't it wasn't that we're on about facilities i mean what what, what the club has got now Chris, yeah. was it we were on about a, a pitch with you had to put the goal on, you had to, you had to put your own goals up before uh, it wasn't right. nice it wasn't nice keepers used to be in the mm. far corner we used to be at the other end yeah. and play the dog off so it wasn't too much different than what I was doing anyway, but it was the it was the physicality <laughs> of uh, training for a few hours every single day, and then you know um, I think my first game was for the reserves in the Pontins League against uh, Blackpool Blackpool away, and it was uh, it was freezing, it was chucking it down. We was in uh, we was in the, the main stadium, and uh, we had a lot of the first team. First team fringe players like Cav was playing, Morsey was playing. Um, we had a, a really good squad out, and apparently um, Gaffer and Viv were, were watching. And um, yeah, we, we got tanked in the first stop. And as my first game, um, 
Gordon walked in, Gordon Queen walked in the change rooms, and I've never heard anybody shout so loud in my entire life. <laughs> and he just went around, your shit, your shit, your shit, you, you, you only got around to me and I was like, oh my God, first game, I've only been here two days. And he went, Chris, well done, son. <laughs> and he went, and I got well done so I, I scored fortunately I scored in that game I think we've probably lost about 3 or 4-1 to Blackpool and uh, yeah Robbo and Robbo and Viv were there and, you know and you gave it the old the gaffers here come watch you watch you all crap your shit your shit just hammered everybody and I got well done so I was, I was happy and we was all back in training the next day which was another shock to the system my legs were intact how do you define that then, Chris? Because obviously, you know, I mean, the training every day is is is, is a difficult is a difficult bit, but it's the it's the days after the games. You know what I mean? Whereas, yes, you can go to work and you can and you can recover or you can take a day after, for example, or whatever. However, you to go and train. You know what I mean? Because your even your cool downs turn into again head tennis or turn into a, a quite a physical session that you don't you, you know what I mean because you you don't just like just to just to stand about if you're in you, you like to do something so how did you how did your body find that recovery I think I think because I was still sort of I don't know, I was still living the dream I was still in my own head about wow I'm here you know I was 24 at the end of the day it's, it took me a long time to to get to that sort of level and you know when it's something you've always dreamed of wanted to do and and, and work towards and then to be there, having played, having trained, played, and then come in the next day and still trying to get your head around it that it's finally happening. I think that sort of adrenaline got me through the sort of training um, and then realised there's another game at the weekend coming and I'm going, oh my God, I, I think I'll be all right now. Fine, my hamstrings are about that big. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think the, I think that sort of a, the buzz, the adrenaline buzz. You know, at the end of the day, for me coming from non-league, I was getting paid for a hobby, and that's yeah. how I saw it. It wasn't until later on in my career where it became a bit of a job. You know how it is when you're at certain clubs, yeah. and it became a bit more yeah. work. Um, but when I was there, when I first started, especially for quite a few years, it, I still treated it like I was getting paid for a hobby, and it, it was just great. I was happy to do whatever I was asked to do. Tell um, tell tell the viewers because we've uh, we've spoke quite um, quite strongly on here over the last couple of weeks about this under twenty three league under under eighteen league. How mm-hmm. important your development um, and how how important the Pontins League Reserve Team League was for you to to integrate yourself into the opportunities you got because I I wouldn't be I wouldn't have had the career I had without it. You know what I mean? It, it turned me yeah. into a it turned against men with men. It was it was brilliant for me personally, but. What was your experience of it? Because obviously you spoke about it at Grimsby. You're obviously now speaking about it at Middlesbrough. So it's obviously it played a part in your early development in your career. Massive. Yeah. See, the, the year I spent at Grimsby, you know, it was almost like a trial. So to, to go there and play in Pontins League, you know what it was like. You don't know who you're playing against. In the under-23s, you're playing against people of your same age, maybe a little bit younger. You might get the odd first-teamer in there. When you're playing the Pontins League, you could be playing against Arsenal's first team because they've not got a game. You could be playing against Tottenham's first team. You could be playing against, you know, Grimsby's academy team. You don't know until you turn up on the day, on, on the match day, and all of a sudden you go, I know him. I know him. Oh, my God. that's He, he plays for the first team. And, you, and that adrenaline buzz to go out and play against these players, especially 
and for me coming from non-league and you know, some of the players the younger players such as yourselves at that yourself at that time and March and both people like that that were coming through to all of a sudden playing against first team players and coping with it and realizing it's not that difficult you're just playing football they're just a little bit better so you've got to be better you've got to work harder you've got to be stronger you've got to be quicker you've got to think faster and so on. Um, and, and then coming off the game at the end of the day and going actually I did really well I could play in the first team and then you, you know you start thinking forward whereas the 23s you know and and they've gone from it was the 21s to the 23s because they still realised that it ain't men's football you know Pep Guardiola said it a while back uh, probably a couple of years back he was saying um, he asked him a question about Phil Foden and is he going to play more and is he going to bring more young players through and the first thing he said was create a better second league because the under 23s is not a men's league and I totally agree it's not a men's league it's, it's like playing academy football but just a bit better than academy football no I might be people might get on the case about this but you know I, I really don't care because it's what I believe this 23s is not going to turn them into first team football players because they're not playing but you can see you can see that by the reduced amount of academy players coming through in the, at the top level for me. Like if, the Chorley game. Look at the Chorley game. Chorley, Chorley bullied them. Yeah, Absolutely yeah, totally bullied agree. them. They won in the game. Chorley knew straight away when they when they rolled the twenty threes out. You know what? We we've got a great chance to go into the next round here. You know, Derby put their first team out. They go. Oh my God! We've got to do this. We've got to sit back. We've got to hold tight. We've got to stay compact. We can't have any gaps. We've got to try and pinch a goal here. You know, they saw see the the, the derby under twenty threes and they're thinking, you know what? Let's go and attack. Let's go and play our game of football. Get it in the box. Go and bully the centre half. Smash them around a few times and see what they've got. And that's what that's they did. And they went on the game because they're not. Because how do you how do you football? How do how do you get fit if you're not playing? How do you create a plan? Try something new. How do you, you know what I mean? The Chris just said there, there's, there's times when we turned up for games, reserve games, where um, there, was, there, was a, there was a game at the Riverside once. Uh, I don't know if you played, Chris. We played, we played Leicester City. And uh, I think it was uh, Branco played, the Brazilian Branco played. Yes, yeah. And, um, I remember. I did I, play. I thought I played a player, player in front of you. So, sorry, so the the, the, the Branco, the Brazilian international, won World Cups. He signed for Middlesbrough. Um, we were supposed to kick off against Leicester City at home, a seven o'clock kickoff. We didn't care after the boarders who turned up to the game. Leicester City that evening had Muzzy, Steve Guppy, Emil Heskey. Um, Matt Elliott played centre half because he might mean you. Um, I'm sure Ian Marshall <laughs> might have played as well. Do you know what I mean? So, like, yeah, yeah. And this is a this is a team. This, this is a team, by the way, in the Europe who were winning cups. They just beaten us a year before in the, in the in the league cups. So they were full of stars. You know what I mean? Full of stars on and off the pitch. They, they just signed the um, Akin Akinbaes of this world, and um, and it was listen. You know what I mean? So, but to, to then for me as a young player, my dad, who was a Scottish international at the time, who changed his alliances, Ian Marshall, who, who can who can still sweep up at his age. It was such a, yeah. an experience for me to learn a, a, against experienced players because it's not a case of ball over the top now because I'm, I'm, I'm the quickest in my, in, in my age group and I'm, I, had to, I had to bring a different element of my game because I'm playing against full 
professional footballers in. That needs to come back. It needs to come back. It needs to come back, Chris, doesn't it? Because I, Who? And I'm passionate about yes. it because I, I just think it's, it's unfair that the players aren't getting if opportunities. You're, if to you're play. Young players are never playing against yeah. me. Andy, do you imagine the, um, the, game was, the game was um, delayed because of Branko? So yeah, the, was, yeah. the reserve games only used to have one side, one stand open, Because I, I learned so much because 
watching you um, and the similarities you had in your um, in your game to what I had. You know what I mean? I just I just didn't have the goals, and I didn't. You know what I mean? Yes, I played a little bit more wider, but it was the it was the movement. It was the it was. It was being calm under pressure in front of the goal, you know what I mean? Because as yeah. a young player, no one ever teaches you that, um, how to how to react when you're, when you're one of one of the goalkeeper, you know what I mean? When you're in that position, you've got a, you've got a choice to make, and sometimes you've got a choice to make very quickly. So what's that when, you, when you've got that composure and you've got that calmness, do you know what I mean? It, it, does it, is it then just effortless with the, with the finish? Um, yeah, for me, it was, I don't think it's something you can coach and now you know i'm a coach and it's difficult to try and talk people through it um but you're almost trying to just to slow everything down slow your focus down and just slow your mind down a little bit because if you go clean through and you're one-on-one -on -one with the keeper the, the thoughts that race through your mind i'm going to chip him i'm going to go around him i'm going to go through his legs and i'll start it down the side there's so many things that can that you can do um you usually choose the wrong one so it, it's just really about yeah. you know just trying to yeah. just Try and slow your thoughts down a little bit, slow your mind down, slow your focus down, and, and then just make a decision and stick with it. You know, and for me, it I, kind I of was worked. At, you know, I, 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 was never, I was never really coached. I just got a lot of advice. So, passion for scoring goals, I think it is. It's just, I just love it. Still do now. What's your, what's your thoughts then, Chris, on uh, on when people say that that, that people should have um, a centre forward, and what would a centre forward coach bring? to his centre forward, you know what I mean? Because a centre forward's coach then if, if if the centre forwards aren't scoring, surely then the coach then takes the full flack and the and the blame of of what's going on because it's you know what I mean, it's it's an art, isn't it? You know what I mean? Brian Robson had a yeah. meet with Alan Shearer once at um, at the training ground, um, at her with uh, it was an England issue, so not nothing to do with obviously Middleton and Newcastle and and, uh, and and the gaffer called me over and um, and we were talking to Alan. It was a great experience for me as a as a young player and and, uh, and Alan was telling me one thing, the gaffer was telling me another and Alan just said, Listen, don't don't listen to him. I've scored three hundred goals in my life, you know what I mean? Just just listen to me and put your laces through it. And it was just like it was refreshing to hear somebody with that experience, you know what I mean? That that Yeah. He used he you know what I mean, everything was oh, everything was, was, was foot through it, but it was accuracy, it was it was it was deliberate, you know what I mean? Whereas you know what I mean? When I got in those kind of positions, I didn't have the kind of power that he had. I didn't have the, the kind of physique that went with it. So, like you just said there, my, my my usual reaction would be, because it was either one or two things happened. One, I'd get round him and I'd be able to tap into an open net. Or I'd go around him and I'd get brought down because I'd be going at that much pace that the goalkeeper would bring me down that that any little touch, and it would have to be a penalty, so we'd, we'd win on both occasions, really. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, is, uh... to be fair, I think in, in the games, in the game now, striker coach would be uh, would be good, um, and it'd be good in the sense that just having that, that sort of one to one with somebody who can just talk you through certain things, and it's about keeping your confidence up or giving you that little bit of advice. My manager at non-league was Ian McCulloch, who's uh, he used to play for Scotland, he used to play for Notts County, um, and he. He just used to say to me really simply, get it, give it a move. So I never did anything other than get hold of the ball, give it to somebody else that could play and then get in the box. And that was my game. And then people give me the ball in the box and I do what I did, which was put it in the back of the net. And I've never tried to, I, I didn't need to take people on, I didn't need to, and, and these would be the sort of things that you could talk with your, stri you know, with your strikers, just getting into position, 
looking for where those gaps are, trying to anticipate, and then just just the, the, the sort of technical detail that you could talk through, you know, lock your ankle stiff, foot, side foot, pick your spot and put it in the back of the net. Little things like that will come from a striker coach. They don't come from coaches. They just say, hit the target. Hit the target doesn't mean anything. You know, striker coach goes into the detail of, listen, it's not it's not just being in those positions. It's anticipating where the ball's going to drop. And anticipation is a big part of strikers, you know. Okay, yeah, if you're on the edge of the box and the ball comes to you great and you can hit it, fantastic. We did loads of work with grab side putting from the edge of the box into the corners. Brilliant. You know, and that, that helps. But that movement in the box and finding those small gaps, those tiny little spaces, that half a yard, that half an inch, all you need to score a goal is the advice sometimes you need from a one-to-one with somebody. And that's what striker coaches should, in my opinion. That's what they should do. There's no point doing, you know, loads of shooting sessions because me later, anybody could do that. You know, I'll roll the ball and you're going to smash it into an empty net. And that's a confidence thing. Um, but finding those little small gaps in there and, and picking out your spot whilst moving and, and just getting a good connection on the ball when the ball's coming across you as you're running that way, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. You either open up with your left foot and score or you hit it with your right foot and come onto it and bend it. You know, it's, they're not easy easy techniques. Listen, everybody thinks ball comes straight at you, I'll take a nice touch and I'll put it in the back of the net. How often does a ball come at you from the goalkeeper? It's usually coming that way across or that way across. And you've got to get the right technique and pick your spot and put it all in, all in the blink of an eye. It's, it's not easy. Or, no, it's an, it's it's an art. I, 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 I totally agree. No, I totally, totally agree. No, totally. And we've got a bundle loads of uh, questions from the from the viewers. So I'm going to go through uh, through a few now. So apologies, you know. I mean, we've had uh, we've had loads. I've seen loads come in. So uh, so, um, so we've it. had so many uh, that the ones which were sent right at the start of the show, I can't get access to on my screen. So I apologise uh, straight away to those those guys. If you want to send them again, please feel free, and I will do my best to get through as many as possible. Um, uh, okay, first of all, someone asked, "Did you ever play? Did you ever play at Ninian Park, Chris? And did you? Uh, did you? What did you make of it? If you did?" Oh God, uh, <laughs> you know what? I can't remember. We played those so many grounds. I'm sure I did. I'm sure I did. But for me, all, all I love all grounds. I don't care what they look like. You know, um, anywhere that's got fans in, uh, brilliant. You know, so it wouldn't bother me. I, I remember. Um, we had a psychologist come in at um, psychologist seems like a psychiatrist uh, come in and just talked about pictures and stadiums and stuff like that and she put all these all these uh, pictures around the changing room on a white background and apparently it was all the league teams all the all the clubs that were in our league and she was just trying to go on about you know all pictures of the same and this that and the other I, I don't I didn't believe in any of that so I just laughed it off and went you know whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, so yeah, any any mm. anywhere that's got a pitch and two goals in the stadium, I'm, mm. I'm happy days. They're all the same to me. <laughs> Amazing. What was um, best, Chris? Was it was it cool. the old uh, was it the older stadium he bumped, brand new ones, which had the which had the best atmosphere? I think the older ones do because they were they were they were closer. Unless you go to certain clubs where where the fans don't like you, <laughs> being so close to the fans is not a good place to be. Um, but yeah, I think the the older clubs, the atmosphere in, in some of those, just electric, you know, unbelievable, just really, really loud. 
And I think if you can't get so it for a game me, me, in that sort of environment, then you should be playing football. So my question then, then Chris, is which fans didn't like you? <laughs> well, we, we, uh, okay. Um, well, I, I had an issue with some Hull fans once when I was up at, uh, at Hartlepool, but that might have been down to the four goals I scored against them um, the last time I played. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Pete, I think it was... I, I was thinking about this today, actually. Um, I don't... Because you had Tommy Miller on the show, didn't you, a while back? Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. But I think it was Peter Bursley that put me clean through and it, I was running in. Keeper came out of his box and I went diving in because I, I've, I've always said that it's either me or the goalkeeper and the keeper sort of bottled it and left me with an empty net and I scored and I ran past all the Hull fans because they'd been giving me shit all game. I ran past them giving one of them. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they gave me some more crap. And in fact, the, the police came in the changing rooms uh, trying to do me for inciting a riot. So, wow. Which, which was Jesus. But apparently <laughs> they, they, had on, they had it all on the cameras anyway, so they knew I didn't do anything. He said, but they had to come in the change. What happens when it... Chris Chris has gone start a riot after scoring four goals to create a I know, yeah. Um, Kate Childs asked, uh, have you got any good names of football shirts you've swapped with players uh, after the game and stuff? Did you uh, grab any big shirts, Chris? Yeah, when we when we played uh, Sampdoria with the the opener at the Riverside, um, I got Manchin's shirt. Which was oh, what a shirt! Did you? Did you? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually got his shirt. I didn't play that game. I didn't play that game. Yeah, he, um, he got, I, I, he got do you know what? I, I, I remember that. Good. I remember that game so much for for Steph for Steph getting injured. It was it was it's yeah. just scary. Just, do you know? Do you know one? Steph McGargle, obviously a good friend of mine. Um, I, 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 I'm sporting for a while, but uh, yeah, there's always a, there's always a moment in the game which which I remember. Whatever, he, he got a really bad injury, and I, and I don't even think he ever he ever recovered from that uh, properly. Um, obviously to play play football at Middlesbrough again, but uh, but yeah, I just remember it for certain. Just just, yeah. just one of those things that I just remember remember the game for. We had the uh, we had the retro shirts as well, which were which oh. I wasn't too bothered about then, to be honest with you. But Mancini got yeah, one. Yeah, but. I don't know what he's done with his, but probably went like that. Yeah, cheers, mate. Hmm. So they, uh, they, they must they must have had a good side then. They must have had a good side that day, did they? Mancini, yeah, you know, that, if, that, if he's playing for Lombardi. I remember they had a great team. I think Lombardi, Lombardi played and Mancini was, yeah, he was ridiculous that day. And our whole team talk was, don't switch off, because they'll just keep possession. <laughs> you won't get near them. They'll slow everything down. Um, and then as soon as you switch off, they'll go uh, and they'll score a goal, and they did. <laughs> they had an incre incredible team. Yeah. Back in the day, yeah, Sampdoria. Back in the day, were awesome. Um, a good coaching question here, actually. I like this one. Reese David Evans says, uh, "When people say they are hungrier, what exactly does that mean? They work harder in training. They put more in, more time in than others. Uh, yeah. So that's why I, I, I like that one." Uh, yeah, hungry for me is is the attitude. You know, I mean, Andy mentioned earlier on about having more uh, less ability than certain players, but you always had a fantastic attitude to to work um, and, and a desire to get around the pitch and, and do it for your teammates as well. If that meant you had to track back as a striker, you track back as a striker. And, and for me, that's that's what hungry is. It's a desire. It's a commitment. It's passion. Whatever you want to call it, um, 
it's an attitude. And not everybody has got a great attitude to work without the ball. And for me, that's what I'd say is is what a hungry player looks like. You know, mm. to do the to do the horrible work when they haven't got the ball is one of the hardest things in the game to do. Because you leave you you've either got it in you to do it or you haven't. And you'll you'll see whatever game you'll see where certain players will just stand around and they only come alive when they get the ball. That for me is not a team player. It's not a hungry player. They're, they're they're selfish player. They're only in it for themselves. Bang on. And I think a hungry player is, uh, is 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 got that attitude to to work without the ball. You know, the best players work hard with it, and they work harder without it. Bang on. And uh, listen, you look at um, you look at Mesut Ozil. You know what I mean? Mesut Ozil. He's got all the ability in the world, and if he just ran around, he could have. He, he, he could be. He could be something of the best of the best. But because yeah. he doesn't want to run around and he thinks yeah. the need to go that extra mile and you know what I mean and, and like we said there it's a, it's it's a it's it's an effort thing but it's an effort thing not just for yourself for me it's for your team you know what I mean if you mm. if you go the extra mile for your team mate they'll go the extra mile for you and there's the success of a, of a good of two centre forwards working across the line to, to close full backs down if, if I'm if I'm just stood up there and I'm watching Chris run past me all the time then the manager's going to notice it and all the team's going to notice it and, and everyone else is going to notice it. But if we're both doing it, then everyone else around yeah. us is going to do it and it's just, it follows on, it follows on. That's what f- friends do, teammates do and, and that's not why that's why things work. That's why things work. Absolutely. Because believe, should, believe, believe, be believe me, Chris wouldn't be... <laughs> yeah, well, Chris wouldn't be sat on here saying saying good things if um, if, if, if he's done my running for 20 years because he'd be blowing how it's, it's a It's yeah. positive response. It's a respect. It's a respect thing, you know. I, I, just, I just, I just, I just don't like it when I see players just basically just tossing it off. You know, that's basically what it yeah. is. It's, it's just, just letting things come to them, not, not putting the work in, not putting the hard miles yeah. in. Um, and Andrew Williamson asks uh, Chris, what memories does Chris have of his time at Hartlepool? Um, I, I have really fond memories of Hartlepool, uh, especially the two goals that kept him in the league. <laughs> We beat Scarborough. Um, Love it. It was, between, it was between us and Scarborough that were uh, on his way out of the league, and uh, we, let's say, we were fortunate enough we battered him. Um, I was fortunate enough to score to score the two goals that basically kept us there, kept us up. Um, but listen, I, I I really enjoyed my time up there. The fans were great with me, even when I came, even when I went back there with Northampton. You're always going to have a, a small selection or a small section of fans that are going to give you some. Um, but I, you know, there was nothing, nothing terrible. You know, it was just them trying to put me off. Where I had no problem with whatsoever. But um, yeah, I had a fantastic time up there. I really enjoyed it. Unfortunately, I was I was travelling from Nottingham to Hartlepool. I didn't live up there. That was probably um, one of the reasons I had to leave in the end. It was, it was I had a lot of back pain from too much mm. time in the car. So, yeah, good trip. Uh, Don. Donna asks, who was your roommate at Middlesbrough? Um, it changed. For the uh, for the FA Cup final, I was with Ben Roberts. Um, and to be honest, I probably won't go with Ben ever again. <laughs> he, he played that game. Um, he just couldn't sleep. Uh, you know, bless him, he was, he was up all night, in and out of the toilet all night before the game. Um, he couldn't sleep, therefore I couldn't sleep. It was an absolute nightmare, you know. Um, but I, I went with uh, Pierce, Nigel Pearson, skipper. Um, he made me have two pints so I could go to sleep. Uh, 
So he, he always on a on a Friday night, he always ordered two two pints of lager to help him sleep on a Friday night, which I didn't know when I was rooming with him until I got two pints of my own, which I didn't really <laughs> want. But <laughs> I had to drink, <laughs> I, had to, uh, I had to drink with him in in the room, which was uh, which was good fun. But um, yeah, it, I don't know. It, it didn't used to. It didn't seem to be a thing where. You know, you have the same roommate as it does now. You know, everybody sort of has one roommate and they stick with him. I, I, I seem to go I don't know if it was just me. We used to have we used, we used to have sixteen or eighteen lads travelling, didn't we? So it was it would be a score yeah. time, so it wouldn't be. You know, what I mean, certain players who, who regular would would probably share, but yeah, I think it was. We we used to change all the time. It'd be a, it'd be it'd be different people, different people room with different yeah. people. Free for ben, all. Ben was a nightmare. Ben was an absolute night. I felt for him as oh, well. well in, in the game, I, 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 felt, I, felt for him, I felt for him in the, in the game. Yeah, the game, the game wasn't yeah. great, and obviously the goal after. Well, you see, you it felt like I did, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, you let a goal in after 20 seconds. Yeah, in FA Cup final. Yeah, man. I didn't even get me seat. I didn't even get me seat before the goal when it devastated. I was devastated. Leslie has asked the question so I All right, I'll get to that. All right, let me just do this one quickly, and then I'll go to the Leslie next. Then because I've got this one up. Uh, so John Kamara and Gaz asked a similar, similar question, so I'll kind of put them together. Uh, John Kamara said, what was the funniest thing that happened with you two both present at Middlesbrough? And Gaz says, can Chris tell us a story about Andy that we may not know? And I'll find Leslie's question. I don't know if Chris was at the game. I'm, I'm sure. Did you play the FA Cup game, Chris, when they got knocked out by Wrexham away? I think so. I think we got B two. I think we got B two one. So we we, we I think we played them on the third round. Of the, yeah, well, we they got beat. They got, I was I was I was seventeen to eight. It was a good thing, but then, then a bad thing. I think because I was there. But obviously, we got beat in the race course ground two one FA Cup. So we're in the in the changing room, everything was open plan there. Apart from like there was a little a little door of the shower area. Um, and Vivs came in, and um, the gaffers came in, and stood there in, 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 in silence, not happy. You could tell by his face. But Vivs just picked a picked a uh, picked a tea and coffee mugs up one by one and just thrown them against the wall. I've never been so scared in all my life. I've just gone in the shower area and he's just thrown them against the wall one at a time. Those been twenty cups. I was just I was just for, it felt like about seven minutes. I was just waiting for everyone just, just, to, just to calm down. He scared the life out of me. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And, and, and Viv was. Viv was normally the most placid, calmest man I'd ever come across. Yeah. But he scared the life out of me. And after that, after that, I'd never, I'd never cross him again. <laughs> you, uh, I'm glad he didn't play. I'm glad he didn't play. I don't think, I don't think he went to. Uh, where did we go? Was it Tenerife? When Viv, Viv lost his go, teeth. I didn't go. I didn't go. No, I only, I went to Dublin. I, I went to Dublin later. Lost on, his teeth. To, uh, Jesus. Lots of oh, there's, drinking, there's, there's, some yeah, there's, some, there's some trips, by the way. Some trips, yeah. Sounds like a good time. Do you know what? Do you know what we say? Like it was um, the time. That obviously, there was a big, big socialising culture. Drinking players played hard, but they partied even harder. You know what I mean? But they, but they still went on the pitch and did it because that was the culture. What the gaffer had. The gaffer used to do it on a Tuesday and go and play and go and play on the Saturday. He used to do it on a Wednesday and go and play on the Saturday. So he. The players were allowed to do what they want within moderation and midweek and put in the shift. And they did. And they did it for him. Yeah. And they did it for the football club. But I tell you what, it was great fun along the way. Absolutely amazing fun. It was brilliant. I remember when he said it, you know, it was, uh, 
if you can't do it and train 100%, don't do it. Um, and I, I remember Christmas do one of the Christmas do. I think it's probably the first one that I ever had, that I ever went to. Um, obviously, free bar and everything, amazing. Absolutely hammered along with that everybody else, and we trained the day after. Um, Gordon McQueen took us from Zoomers at Ayrson Park, and we came yeah. out came out of Ayrson Park. I'd probably only been there two weeks at the club. Uh, the Christmas do in, uh, in Stockton, the, the big hotel in Stockton, and um, absolutely hammered. So we came out of Ayrson Park, right, we're going for a road run, and I'm going, you what, you know, I'm still non-league mentality here, thinking I've got three days in bed or something, and he's, uh, we're going for a road run, we're joking, I am chucking up, I want to be guts head, handed. and we start running down, come out of Ayrson Park, turn right, starts running, Gordon's in front, um, Turned another corner, I'm thinking, oh God, how long's it going for? We've only been running like two minutes, felt like a bit of an hour. Um, and to be fair, he ran it straight into the local cafe around the corner and bought everybody a full English breakfast. <laughs> I'm sitting there, like, I couldn't even eat that either. I was like, oh God, I'm left <laughs> footed, oh, oh my God. <laughs> I just wanted to throw up everywhere and quick, get it down, you son. So I had to eat this full English breakfast. And then we went back and just had a little kick about it. And I was just, but like you say, if, if if you can't do it, and you can't do it like they can do it, and get up and go training, don't don't do it. You know, absolutely. Some, well, that uh, was that was the mental that was the mentality side. You know, what I mean, Craig, Chris, Chris will tell you we went we went we ended up going to do and we went there to play Shelbourne. Then we had a couple of days, and then we were having a training day. So the training day, we we, we hadn't had any sleep the night before. Gaza was on his notorious, didn't go to bed, drinking hot whiskey, and I wish end room with Summers who obviously loved to drink anyway. So I didn't get much sleep that night. Um, turned up for training. We had, we got our training. Got a run around Dublin, Dublin Centre. Ran down the road, round the corner, straight to a pub. In our training kit, and the gaffer just said, "Right, we're in here all day now. No one's moving till five o'clock." I'm thinking, it's eleven o'clock. You know what I mean? That's six hours. I, I can't do six hours. I'd rather go for a run. But you know what I mean? I was just my body. I was only a young kid, and I'm thinking, Jesus. And, but that was just the mentality of the the the, the train hard, play hard party even harder the scenarios that oh, it was just an amazing time about that. remember the um was another christmas do we did fancy dress was you, did you do yeah i think so yeah we did the full fancy dress sites for us was there yeah. in the kelbank all around yeah. we went out for yeah. literally trained in the morning for about an hour and 11 o'clock all fancy dressed up in some really really bad gear uh, and then just yeah. just hit the town i mean i remember i got i got drunk sobered up got drunk again sobered up again <laughs> Got drunk again, walked out of a, a nightclub at five in the morning with Paul Merson, and he'd not touched a drink all day. Not one drink all day, recovering alcoholic. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I've been drunk, sober, drunk, sober, drunk, sober. He walked out with me. Yeah. I was like, how the hell did you do that? <laughs> Unbelievable. Great time. And he's, then we had to he's a magic, he's a, he's a magic, magic man, magic man. <laughs> Um, right, I've located Leslie's question for you, Andy. So, well, he asked, uh, well, I'm sure uh, uh, Chris, Chris will have been there as well. So Chris, uh, Chris will remember that. Uh, will remember the session because he'll definitely been there. So we we trained at Kirk Leverett in prison. If you remember, we trained inside where the where the supporters would stand and watch. Not supporters, the inmates would stand. We were we were running around. It was pre-season. Pre-season, we were training, doing a bit, doing a bit of running, and um, I thought I'd seen Ravenelli. So I said, mm. Mark Sumble, as we were running around, I said, I'm sure I've just seen Ravnadelli. 
and somebody's turned around to me and said, why would Ravinelli be here go for Juventus against, I think it was Mars Day or whatever. And he said, don't be so stupid, why would he be here? So I said, oh, yeah, fair one, you know what I mean? Just, but it, someone looked like him, yeah. so we were running around, blah, blah, blah. We did what we did, we did what we did, finished the session, and then we all came together like we did at the end of the session, and, and the gaffer stood there and introduced us, and I just, I didn't know whether to laugh or to cry. <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a supporter, I was so excited because Fabrizio Ravinelli, and it wasn't until I got home, and we had a conversation with my dad, and my dad went, yeah, well, you're not going to play anymore. And I'm kind of thinking, all oh, right, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I was so excited that Rav, that Rav's just stood in front of me, that the guy's got his arm around him, introduced him to all the players. That was, but, but aside, we were training on the, on, on, on one of the worst facilities, you know what I mean? We, 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 yeah, yeah. we didn't have any, we, we, we traded at different places. It was, it was decent, it was a decent setup, but it was, you know, I mean, for Ravinelli to come and come to a prison on his first day, he must have thought, what am I doing? He, yeah. Mad. What have yeah. I done? What have I done? He must. I think he came from Juventus, didn't he? Because I'm sure. Because we used to watch. Uh, yeah. Gazetta. Remember the Gazetta? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we used to watch all that, and I'd only watched it the other day. And he was mm. playing for. I swear, he was playing for Juventus or someone like that. I'm sure it was Juventus he'd just he'd come from. And then, like you say, he turned up there. I'm sure he was the side as well. Went, they were all looking through the fence. Yeah. While we were training and that, so. It, it, Training sessions on there were strange. Twenty minute, twenty five minute run, thirty minute run, and then some football. Um, yeah, it was yeah. all uh, it was all strange. Was strange, strange time. But yeah, to, for him to turn up and see, uh, he must have been thinking, "What am I doing? What have I done?" <laughs> he just, just turned up to, turned yeah. up to play for Ragas Ragas Robbers. Well. Middlesbrough ended up with an amazing, amazing team, didn't they, around that time? And that kind of falls into this question from Gavin. Gavin says, Chris, what was your favourite time during your oh, your favourite time at Borough? And he also asked, what's your, the favourite stadium that you've ever played at? Um, well, my favourite time would have been um, when we went to, from Mason Park to the Riverside, to be part of that. Um, obviously, the opening with Sampdoria... And then to make my debut at the Riverside, and then actually for and it was I was really happy and really sad at the same time. That because I'd hate coming off the, I hate coming off any day, but I was really happy that Andy came on. You know what I mean? It was it was it was really really strange at that particular time. But that was probably my favourite time to something that I'd always wanted to do. Um, Playing in the reserves was fantastic, but everything's got to aim towards the first team. I don't think you're a professional footballer until you play first team football. And having made the debut in the in the championship the year before, and then for it to take so long for me to get um, another first team appearance was really really hard. Um, and then to get that opportunity, and then to score as well, and and an assist, which is uh, I've got to throw that one is as well. But to get an assist and a goal in the same game, um, yeah. that's got to be my, my favourite time. Favourite stadium will be Excellent. the old Wembley all day long. Yeah. So, you know, played a lot of good stadiums, but the old Wembley, for me, you know, you, you've got to earn it. You know, as a kid, all I wanted yeah. to do was play professional football and, and play at Wembley. And I achieved both those dreams. And to play at the old Wembley, and I always said, the old Wembley, you had to earn it. It was finals only. It wasn't a semi-final. You know, it wasn't a charity game, it wasn't this, it wasn't that. You had to earn it, you had to be in a final to get to Wembley. 
and it was the pinnacle of the season to get to Wembley. Now it's, you know, buy a ticket and you want to have 20 minutes on pitch. Um, so, and it, it was it was brilliant. It was an amazing stadium. I thought it was a, a great place. And I love, you know, the whole build-up, you know, the, the bus going under underground, coming out through the tunnel and, and, and walking out onto the pitch and everything like that. What an atmosphere it is, or was, uh, with those twin towers there. It was a... Uh, Amazing, amazing place, amazing stadium. Um, yeah, it was, that was it, really. Yeah, brilliant. Sweet. Uh, I want to touch on side. Just, just, just. Yeah, go on, go on. The, the, the game obviously means so much to me. Obviously, my my debut for Middlesbrough, and obviously Chris's um, Chris's first goal for, um, in the Premier League, which was just an amazing. It, it made it more special for me. Like Chris just said, they didn't like to come off any game. You know, what I mean, one who had a huge impact impact for me and got me in that position and ready for my first team. I don't think I was ready for my first team debut because I was very young and very naive. But if anybody got me ready, it was all the reserve games that I played with this guy. And um, you know what I mean. And and and, and in that um, early evening, because um, it was a Good Friday um, game. Um, it took the pressure off me because after watching the game from the sideline, which was great, you know, because I mean, there was a there was full crowd there, and um, and and watching Chris score, watching him set games up, watching him run, John Hughes with with Jan up front was absolutely fantastic, and and thinking, do you know what? What I've got in my locker for eight minutes or seven minutes or however long I, however long I got was great because I knew that they must be tired. Chris has run them all over the place, so I can just have an easy eight minutes and just enjoy your football here and have no it's so nice that that I came on for someone who I respected so much and um and, and just trying to emulate and 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 enjoy watching someone do something as good as that because you know what I mean I believe it was Sky game as well. You know what I mean? I've got the I've yeah. got the video yeah, I've got the video Sky after the game and give it to my mum and dad and um, still got it now. It obviously doesn't work. So I can't. I haven't got a video recorder, so I'm trying to get it on the DVD. Hmm. But um, uh, uh, what I could put it on DVD never, if you met. You know what I mean? It, uh, can you? Oh, you can. Do, you bring, can your, yeah. bring your, bring your, bring your thing. Oh, I'll bring it open. Uh, but an amazing night for me. Uh, but even better that I've got to share with someone who's who's still a friend and and obviously someone I respect so much. Great time, mate. Absolutely great time. Loved every minute of it. Won't change anything as well. So. I was. Uh, I, I remember the game. I remember it well. Um, it was an opportunity I should have scored earlier on in the game as well. So I, I, I always had a habit of scoring on my debut as well, full debut. Um, and I, I knew I was going to score. I don't know where. I don't know why. Um, I just have this feeling that I was going to score. And I had a chance earlier on. Benigno put me through, and I should have hit it across the goal. I could have played him back in, but I, I don't pass the ball in the box. I've never done that. No, so, uh, no, no. I kind of sliced it a little no, bit. Yeah, yeah. See, it's games where you, I didn't know, I didn't know that. He was, yeah, it's not, <laughs> not happening. That's a proper centre forward talking. That proper centre forward. Absolutely, it is. Yeah, and I think that's a, a beautiful way to uh, to wrap us up. Um, some no, great, uh, great conversations, great questions, some really good questions again from everyone. I know. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I know we missed a few, but. Such as life, as as the amount of viewers is growing each week, it's obviously we can't ask every single question, but we try to get through as as many as possible. Um, just a few scheduling notes before we wrap up. Uh, Wednesday MMA show. Uh, it's the Cage Royce preview ahead of the event, which starts at the end of next week. We've got uh, the commentator from Cage Warriors, Brad Wharton, and 
the uh, title contender Jordan Vucenic joining us. Also, my story episode two, oh series two, episode two will drop on Sunday. Of course, we have the championship show, which is going to be a lot of fun because there is a lot to talk about, including uh, Lee Bowyer resigning, which is going to be uh, interesting to say the least. But there's also a few other stories brewing, which is uh, going to be fun. So join us for that seven o'clock Friday. Super Kevin scripted straight after is back on Friday as well. Always fun. Um, a massive thank you to Bespoke Financial for sponsoring the shows. And, of course, Black Diamond Sports for all their support. Andy, as always, it's a pleasure, my friend. And I, I will let you just wrap up with Chris. Yeah, no, I loved it, Chris. Brilliant. Thanks for your time. You've been uh, amazing, like I fully expected. Yeah, your stories, yeah. Um, you're telling us how easy it is. Just, just, just completely makes me smile. Amazing. Uh, mate, like I said, it's always good to talk to you, mate, and we should do it more often, you know. But, you we should, know, mate. We should totally you, lose touch with, you lose touch with people over the years, and, you know, it's always great. I'm glad we've stayed in touch. Um, yeah, me too, mate. Me too. So many people over the years, and, uh, you know, you always look back on it. And they say there's no friends in football, but only acquaintances. But I think that's wrong, you know. But I think, uh, yeah, we should, we should definitely try and stay in touch absolutely uh, thank you Chris so much for your time great uh, great guest full of great stories uh, and of course guys we'll be back next Monday with an all new guest look out on the social media pages for uh, the announcement I thank everybody who has uh, joined us this evening and uh, of course spread the word tell your friends, tell your mum, tell your dad tell your neighbours about the Andy Campbell shows and uh, we'll be back Friday, 7 p.m. for the championship show. Until then, we bid you farewell. And uh, I'd just like to say one thing to finish. Come on, Wolves. My mummy and dad have been talking about life insurance. It sounds like something to protect my brother and me, but I don't really understand. Then my Auntie Louise told mummy about Bespoke Financial Teesside. She said they're a local company who helped her with her life insurance. Mummy got in touch and because they're based locally, a man called Darren was able to come to our house. He was really friendly. Darren stayed for a cup of tea and made it all really easy to understand. He said that life insurance will protect our home and family if anything bad were to happen. Like if mummy or daddy got sick, then we'd get enough money to take care of us and our house would be paid for so we wouldn't get taken away. After an hour, Darren said goodbye and Mummy and Daddy seemed a lot happier. Once it was all sorted, we could all relax and watch a film together as a family. I don't know why they didn't do it sooner. Podcast Network.